Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Look at your neighbor right now and just tell him, he is risen. And you know what? He's risen for you. He's risen for me. He took the time, the Lord did, to send his only begotten son. And we know this story. Every Easter Sunday, it's recited over and over. But even if you had been the only one here, he still would have gone to the cross for you. That's what makes it so special and so unique. Amen? But Jesus is risen indeed. I am excited about that. Just as he said he would. Early in the morning on the third day, the disciples discovered this amazing message when Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to look for Jesus. And Jesus was no longer dead and buried, but he was risen from the grave. You know, I went to Israel about nine years ago, and I looked in the cave they say was the tomb of Jesus, and there is no body there. It is empty. He is risen. Amen? Just as the scriptures had foretold. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, is risen from the grave, conquering death, sin, and hell itself. And what that tells you and I is, not only did he conquer it, he can conquer it for you now, by you trusting and believing in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let me just remind you today that without this message that he is risen, we have no faith. It is the foundational principle to Christianity, I'm talking about the resurrection, the belief in the resurrection. Let me ask you today, why do you think Jesus Christ had to die and rise from the grave? And that's the question I want to get into for the next few moments. If you have your Bible today, we'll have this up on the screen, but our sermon text today will be found in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1 through verse I'm going to read all the way through verse 15. But Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1 says the following. After the Sabbath, and if you would stand with me for the reading of the word, if you can, if you can stand today. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. In verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. In verse 11, 
While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets back to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Let me pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, this afternoon that you would help us to open our hearts and open our minds to the scriptures, to the word of God today, that you might declare your truth in all its glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated today. Amen. So this is the account. And what I love about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all share the account of the resurrection. But if you notice here, there were guards put at the tomb. The guards were specifically put there by the Romans so that the disciples wouldn't steal the body. And let me just tell you, if you're a military officer and you're at a post to desert the post, to fall asleep at the post, how many know that just does not fly, right? You are going to, I mean, it's the end. It's the end for you. And that was the case with these guards. But why do you think they posted guards there in the first place is the question. They were afraid the disciples would come and steal the body and claim that he had resurrected. That is one of the false teachings that is still taught to this very day. If you talk to an atheist or even an agnostic who do not claim to believe in the resurrection, they'll tell you that, well, I, the disciples stole his body. That's why they didn't find him. Or he was buried somewhere else. He never resurrected. And they'll go on and on to describe why they believe what they believe. But the scriptures tell us clearly that guards were posted there. Guards do not desert their post. What happened was the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and it says they felt like they were dead. I mean, they were so afraid. Imagine if you saw a heavenly host, an angel, appear to you right now in front of you. Uh, that would probably scare most of us. It'd probably scare me. I'd be going, what did I do wrong? <laughs> and, and he wasn't there to correct anybody. He was just there to declare to those that were soon coming, the Lord is risen. He is not in this place. Even in our day, 2,000 plus years later, people are still accepting lies about the resurrection, which is rejecting the truth of the scriptures. How many have had the chance to go to Walmart or Target or any store lately in the last few weeks and there's the Easter aisle, right? It's all filled with bunnies and eggs and all the foo-foo stuff of, of, of spring and Easter, right? But is that what Resurrection Sunday is all about? No. But yet that's one of the lies that our modern-day world would tell you that it's all about an Easter bunny, it's all about eggs, it's all about getting together with your family later for a great dinner, a great supper, a great barbecue, rather than believe in the resurrection 
of the Scriptures. Amen? This is just another attempt to cover up the resurrection. See, there's nothing wrong with the Easter Bunny, so let me just declare right now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. That's fine. That's dead. In fact, we're having an Easter egg hunt for our kids immediately after service. But that's not the focus of today. Can I get an amen? The focus is that he is risen. He is risen. You see, if you're replacing the truth of the resurrection with Easter eggs or a family get-together, you're just as guilty as the Pharisees of 2,000 years ago who were proclaiming that the disciples stole the body of Jesus Christ. See, those reasons and many more can be used by the enemy to replace the truth of the resurrection. The resurrection is the key foundational principle in Christianity. I want to remind you of that today. In fact, say this with me again. He is risen. Amen. So let's get back to that question again is, why did Jesus die and rise again or rose again on the third day? Well, first of all, he came to rescue me. He came to rescue you. He came to rescue humanity. Amen? How many know, and maybe you've been there, where you've needed rescuing and you didn't even know it? I've been there. Where, where you've been in a situation, whether it's in debt or whether it's a vice, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or gambling, you eating, and it's a vice and it overwhelms you and you're so stuck in it, but you don't even realize you need rescuing. But everybody else outside can see it, but you can't see it. Yet the Lord knows we're all drowning, Amen. We need to be rescued. The sad news is that a lot of people don't recognize that they are drowning. The world that we live in today does not recognize the need for a living Savior, one that's overcome this world, one that went to the cross and died for them. They don't recognize that. They think they can do it on their own. I can do it. I can hustle it. I can make it happen. You're sadly wrong. You're gravely mistaken. Jesus came to save us from a spiritual death, but at the same time, he came to give you blessing in this life. Amen? I'm going to walk you through three points today. The very first one, which I already mentioned, is he's a God who rescues. Say that with me. A God who rescues. How many have needed rescuing? Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you are lying, and we need to have an altar call for you at the end of service. All of us have needed rescuing in one form, in one way or another. In fact, the Scripture says in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, listen to what Dr. Luke or what uh, Jesus said here in, in the book of Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. First of all, Jesus is bringing you good news. 
Jesus never brings you anything bad. Can I just tell you that right now? He's bringing you the good news of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, which will set you free and put you on a path where you will have blessed life. Amen? He's given you freedom, recovery of sight. You know, sometimes we're blind spiritually. Uh, before, I've mentioned this to you. You all know this. I didn't grow up in church but when my eyes were open to the gospel, all of a sudden I began to see things. It's as if someone turned a light on in a dark room. Oh, there's that chair in the way. I, I would have stubbed my toe and hit myself on that chair. When that light comes on, all of a sudden you begin to see the things that are obstacles, that are against you, amen? And thank God for that because he's a God that sets us free. Galatians Chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, says the following, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Think about that. Our sins are, what does that mean? Our wrongdoings. I don't have to have you think about your wrongdoings. When I say that word, you immediately know, each of you know what I'm talking about. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us. Everybody say rescue us from the present evil age. Would you agree with me that this age that we live in is evil? There is evil. There is temptation. There is sin. You don't have to walk very far. You could just walk out your door if you live in the wrong neighborhood and sin is right there at the door. But we live in this present evil age and he came to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. This is what's so amazing about our God. He sent his one and only begotten son to die on a cross for you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you've done in your past, because all God cares about is your future. Amen? I've, I often tell you here, we are imperfect people. In an imperfect world, that means Pastor Rick's not perfect. It means you're not perfect. We will all mess up, but we have a Messiah. We have a God that we can say, Lord, forgive me. And he picks me up, and he shakes me off, and he puts my feet on that rock to stay, amen? And he helps me to walk and be strong, amen? Without that, I'm weak. I'm susceptible to fall. Because I have no strength within my strength. I need him. Amen? And you need him. He's like a loving father who would go to the ends of the earth to rescue his child. How many parents in here? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. There's not a one of you here that if you heard bad news about your child, that you wouldn't do whatever it is humanly possible to rescue that child to help that child. Not a one of you, every single one of you, and God Almighty is here to remind you he will go to the ends of the earth for you and you and you. God loves us so much that he is compelled to save us from the lives we were not meant to live. Can I say that again? God loves us so much he's compelled to save us from the lives we were not meant to live. We live lives that were never God's intention. 
I admit, my life was not that way. And, and maybe you're here today thinking, I haven't been living a life that I know God would want me to live. It's not too late. Can I just tell you that right now? It's not too late. Amen. But here's the important part of what I'm trying to focus on. You and I can be living a life right now, a life that God never intended for you. But God loves us so much that he is compelled to save us. He saves us. He reaches out with his loving hand, and he pulls you to rescue, to, to safety. He'll pull you to safety. But you have to want to be saved. Amen. You have to want that desire to be saved. We can live a life that we were never intended to live and miss out on so many blessings. There's a, there's a saying that my daughter came up with, Raquel, our guitar player. She, she says this, um, and she came up with this a long time ago, and then I use it all the time now, but she says, when you're with the Father, you get the Father's blessings. In other words, like when she hangs out with me, she knows dad's going to pay for lunch. She's gonna pay, dad's going to pay for dinner. Dad, dad might be filling her gas tank if I'm driving her car. Those types of things. When you're with the Father, you get the Father's blessings. Amen? When you're with the Father, you get the Father's blessings. Can I just remind you of that? Walk with the Father, and you'll get his blessings. Conversely, when we don't walk with the Father, he wants to bless you and give you this but you're nowhere to be found. He wants to give you a gift. He wants to give you good things, not bad things. Amen. I'm all for, Lord, save me. Do it again. Do it again, Lord. Let me take you to 1 Timothy to remind you of why he, he did what he did. 1 Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 says the following, For there is one God... And one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. As a ransom. When we hear that term, a ransom, we think of captors that are holding someone hostage and they, somebody has to pay a lot of money so that they could be released. Right? That's usually what we think of when we think of ransom. But in life... Our captivity is more than just a concept or a thought. Our need for rescue is real. How many know that heaven is real and hell is real? Amen? God saved you. If you're a born-again believer today, that, all that means is that you've declared that, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I am trusting in you, and I've, I've received you into my life. I've asked you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you rose again on the third day, and I'm trusting you. That's what a believer is. If you're that person today, you can know that he will walk with you, amen, during times of trouble, during storms, and so forth. And, and you quickly realize that your life isn't the same without him. Amen. Proverbs chapter 5. I've got a few scriptures today. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 22. This is, this is the reality for each of us. Listen to these words. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sin hold them fast. Do you realize that sin 
is like a is like a rope. It's like a cord. It keeps you bound. How many know what I'm talking about? It binds you. And you can't break loose of that. That's what sin does to you. Another scripture that's like that is John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and verse 34. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And here what he's talking about, everyone who continually sins is what the meaning here is. Everyone who continually sins is a slave to sin. I was a slave to sin. Amen? Just like you, you were a slave to sin. But God set you free. God broke the curse. And he's given you liberty. He's given you freedom in Christ. Amen? That is why Jesus Christ came into this world. To pay the ransom for you and I. That we could never pay on our own. You would have had to go to a cross, really, to pay for your sins. Jesus didn't want you to do that, but that's what it would have taken. Jesus did that for you. Jesus did that for you. Can I just give you an illustration of what that means, of what Jesus gives us? When, When the slaves were freed after the Civil War, many of them became sharecroppers and lived little better than they had previously. Yeah, they were free, but their quality of life didn't get much better. You see, they were rescued from slavery, but they had next to nothing. But our God never rescues like that. Our God, you see, when he sets you free from a life of bondage, a life of sin, he offers us in exchange freedom, and he gives you an abundant life, a life filled with with blessings, as I was mentioning. That is the great God that we serve. When we exchange sin for blessings, how many want to have that exchange? Every day of the week, right? 24-7, 365, I'm there. John chapter 8 and verse 36. Most of you know this, have heard this scripture many times. If the Son sets you free... You will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, if the the Lord Jesus saved you, don't go back to what he saved you out of. Keep walking. Keep marching with him, amen? He doesn't want you going back to the old life. He saved you out of that to give you a new life, a better life, amen? The word indeed here, If we can leave the scripture up on the screen. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The word indeed here means something undeniable and without question. You see, when our God rescues us, he rescues us for something. He doesn't just rescue you from something. He rescues you with a plan in mind. For something. How many are thankful for that? How many have seen that plan come to fruition in their life? Not only did he rescue you, but now he's put you on a path. Amen? And that's why we can relate to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where it says, I have plans. I have a purpose for you and plans for you, not to harm you. Amen? He has plans for each of you. He didn't just rescue you and just left you there on a street corner. He, he rescued you and said, okay, now here, just keep, keep going this way. But he's holding your hand. He's holding your hand. He's holding my hand. And he walks with you. 
He doesn't desert you. That's the great news of a loving God. Amen. The question I would ask you today as we reflect on the resurrection, what is my something that God is rescuing me from? What is my something that God is rescuing me from? You see, our, our something can be bigger than we can imagine. When God rescues us from a life of sin, a life of bondage, a life where we're just tied doing the same thing, you wake up, you do the same thing, you go to bed, you do the same thing, you wake up again and you do the same thing, all in bondage. You've been there? Yeah, I think we've all been there. But when God sets you free, He gives you a new purpose. He creates a new heart in you. Amen? He creates a new path for you. All of a sudden, those those roads you used to take, they're closed off. And you begin, because the light is now on, you can see that road led to destruction. That road led to destruction. That one was no good for you. That one was even worse. And now he's opening up a new path for you, a new road filled with blessings. God rescues us from a life of sin, a life of bondage, because he wants to give you a better life, a life driven by his calling for you. By his calling for you. Everybody here has a plan, has a purpose in life. God has given you a purpose. And I know many of you here are already walking in that purpose. Some of you are just discovering what that purpose is. Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen. The second thing I would tell you today is a God, He is a God who rescues us from ourselves. Ooh boy. This one hits hard and heavy right here. Because how many know sometimes we, everybody say, we can be our worst enemy, right? You don't even have to get around, we don't even have to get around somebody, um, bad friends, good friends. We can sometimes be our own worst enemy. It doesn't help to, to have those bad friends come over, but sometimes it's just us, our fears, our sinful desires, our thoughts, we stand in the way of our own freedom we, because we're wrapped up in bondage. I'll take the water that's down here in the front. Thank you. We can sometimes lead ourselves to a path of self-destruction. Everybody say amen. How many have been there? Yeah? You all been there? Yeah. Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5. This is the great prayer of repentance by King David. I've read this one hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. And I would encourage each of you to read this prayer, Psalm 51. But in verse 5, he says the following, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yes, we're all born with original sin. We're all, we're all born sinners. Amen? We're all born sinners. That's why we need the Lord to rescue us. Our nature, and this is leading to our nature. How many have heard the term nature, our sin nature? That is really what leads us down a path of destruction at times, is our sin nature, because we have not crucified it. The Lord has given us 
victory in him because of the resurrection. But can I remind you today, you still have to battle your flesh. Does that mean if I overcome my addiction, I won't get tempted ever? No. No, it doesn't work that way. I wish I was here to tell you today that you'll never have another temptation. That's not the way it works. But what I can tell you is this. God Almighty grabs you by the hand and says, I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to be your encouragement. Amen? That's why you need him. That's why you and I need to be rescued today. Amen? When our sinful nature is submitted to the life-changing power of the Spirit of God, death gives way to life. Huge difference. When we were dead to, when we were dead to spiritual things, to the things of God, like I was before, before I started coming to church, I didn't care. I didn't care about you guys in church. I, I, I never went to church. I didn't think about the things of God. I never prayed. But it's when that light went on. And I began to realize there was a Savior that died on a cross for me. That's when it began to mean something. A light went on. A spiritual light went on. And I began to receive life for the first time. Eternal life. Amen? God came to rescue you so that you could finally live the life he had in mind for you. That's why you need rescuing today. If you've never begun that journey, if you haven't begun that journey, it's not too late today. God came to rescue you so you could finally live the life you're supposed to live. Which leads us to the third point, which is a God who rescues us for a reason. He's a God who rescues us for a reason. I want to have you turn to Ephesians. We'll have it on the screen. Chapter 2. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 10. This is out of the New Living Translation. I love this translation here. But it says this, For we are God's masterpiece. Let me just stop there, and I want you to say this with me. Maybe you've never said this about yourself, but say this with me. I am God's masterpiece. Say it again. One more time, but say it like you believe it now. Amen. Do you realize that? Do you hear your words? You. Yeah, you, imperfect you. God knows you. There's not a thing you can hide from God today. You are his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can go do we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He always had you in mind when he was on the cross. He had you in mind. He had you in mind. He had each of us in mind. He had you in mind when he was on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And he went to heaven. He had you on his mind. As I get ready to close today, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to remind you today that God has planned good things for you. It's not the life you've been living or the struggles you've had to go through. Jesus is eager to rescue you. The Messiah, the beautiful Words to that song that we heard. The Messiah is here to rescue you today. 
He can show you the plans He has for your life. But it takes you coming to Him. Amen? He's been holding on to these plans for you for a very long time. Some of you that have have known Him, but have never truly committed 100% to Him. He wants to pull you out of your mess so that He can show them to you. He has plans for you. Say this with me. God has plans for me today. How can you get to know those plans? Well, it starts by letting Him know that you need Him in your life. It starts by letting him know, Lord, I can't do this thing called life on my own. I can't defeat the enemy on my own. I can't face the struggles on my own. I need your help. Not only does he come and do that, but he gives you the best gift you can ever have, which is eternal life in him. Amen? It's eternal life. You see, he defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. You no longer have to worry about death, hell, or the grave if you're a a believer in Christ. Amen? You see, it's a lifelong journey, this life living for God. It's not just a one-day thing. It's not just a, Lord, I confess to you today my sins, and, and then it's over. No, that's just the very beginning, very beginning. Just as when you ask that girlfriend of yours to be your girl, Or maybe it was you that asked your guy to be your guy. That was just the beginning. Amen? The Lord has a a lifelong plan for each of you. God has a breakthrough for you today. I know his plans are good. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope. He's here today to rescue you. Because he has resurrected He wants to resurrect your life. As we close today, if you'll stand with me, I want to make sure of two things today before you leave. Number one is that everyone will walk away genuinely believing that the Lord has risen and risen for you. He came to this world to die for you And he rose again on the third day for you. And the second thing, and and even just as important, that you would not walk away here today without realizing that Jesus is your only hope of salvation. It's not in your money. It's not in your wealth. It's not in who you know. It's not because your parents go to church or your siblings go to church. None of that counts, unfortunately, at the end of the day. It's about you having a divine relationship with the Lord. He died and rose again so that he could rescue you and give you a life, and a life more abundantly than you've ever lived before. Will you believe in that today? Will you receive that today? Just bow our heads this time as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that today is Resurrection Sunday, that we are reminded that you are no longer in that grave. You were 
the grave couldn't hold you. Death couldn't hold you. Lord, you rose again to declare to the world that it couldn't contain you, that you are greater than death. And you came to bring us everlasting life through that gift for each of us. As we're reminded here today of your resurrection power, I pray, Lord, as you speak to everyone here, that we would believe that you truly rose from the grave and that, more importantly, you came to this world to die for me. And today, with your heads bowed, if there's anyone here that wants to receive Christ today and receive this forgiveness that I've been talking about through the resurrection, this new life that I've been talking about, these, these, uh, the, these plans that God has for you that I've been talking about, if you want to receive that today, just raise your hand right now with your heads bowed. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hands down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer collectively as a church. And as we pray this prayer, believe this with all of your heart. This is the beginning point. This is the starting point. But let's say this prayer together. Say it out loud with me. There's something about saying the words back to the Lord, to God Almighty, so that he hears you declare them. Say these words with me and mean them with all of your heart. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I know you went to the cross for me to forgive me of my sins, all my wrongdoings. I thank you for that, Lord. I believe you rose again on the third day to give me eternal life in you. I ask you to come into my life today to lead me, to guide me, direct my paths, fill me with your wisdom, fill me with your spirit today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer today, for the first time, if you're watching online, if you're here today, if you said that prayer, let me know after service. Just come and talk to me. Let me know online if you said that prayer. Because this is the beginning, the beginning of a relationship with Christ Almighty. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for what he has done through the resurrection. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you, Father. And we thank you. We're going to pray a, our blessing that we normally pray, and then we're going to get going to our Easter egg hunt for our children. You guys excited? All right. Let's uh, just raise your hands with me one more time as I pray the blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen and amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.